Hello, I'm Corey Stroman. Welcome to the Rochester Rising podcast, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs in Rochester, Minnesota. Thank you for spending some time with us today to learn more about small business and the culture of entrepreneurship in Rochester. We hope that you learned something today from a local entrepreneur that can help you with your own journey. Rochester Rising is a part of Collider, a Rochester-based nonprofit that activates, connects, and empowers early-stage entrepreneurs in our community. You can learn more about Collider and how our organization can help accelerate and assist your journey at collider.mn. Today on the podcast, we chat with Jorge Mocera, owner at Blankets Consulting Group, partner at Kinadrill, director of sales at MedCity FC, a board member for Hands for Humanity, an avid investor, financial and business consultant, as well as the owner and operator of local food truck and soon-to-be restaurant, Taco Lab, which we chat about today. Let's get started. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Hi, good to be here. Wonderful. Well, before we launch into the business side of things, tell me a little bit about you. What are some of your hobbies, interests, and pastimes outside of work? Uh, good question. Um, a little bit of everything. Quite an active person. I, I love, love the outdoors. Um, so we try to be as much as we can with this beautiful weather we have in oh, the yeah. woods. <laughs> try to be outdoors as much as possible. Hiking, camping, um, you name it. Yeah. Uh, water activities. Water is my element. Yeah. So uh, when I was younger... Uh, in Ecuador is where I come from. I used to surf, so we did that for a while, and, and now there's no waves, except in Lake right. Superior sometimes in the right. winter if you bolt enough, so we'll do more kayaking and lake activities, Sure. some river activities as well. Um, guitar, I love music, arts in general, which is a good balance to the business side too. Right, yeah, absolutely gives you a break. Yep, you bet. Well, you kind of answered my next question. You are not from Rochester originally. Not originally, no. What brought you here? <laughs> That's another good question. Um, <laughs> so back in 2008 is when I met my wife. Um, I was at the time a college student in Ecuador. Okay. And throughout my life had, <clears throat> had um, really a passion for volunteering, particularly in the space of uh, medicine. My, both my parents are doctors. Okay. And so very young age, I started volunteering in these mission trips that were uh, put together actually for by a organization who's local here in town, mm-hmm. Hands for Humanity organiza- okay, uh, Foundation. Sure, sure. Um, and they do orthopedic surgery on low-income or challenged uh, families in Ecuador, in Puerto Viejo, which is where I'm from. Uh, long story made short, my wife uh, actually was one of the volunteers at that uh, at that mission trip, particularly in 08, and I met her there. Um, I had lined up a, an informal internship at Mayo for interpretation, which is one of my passions, mm-hmm. and uh, you know met her and then came up here and then you know, long story made sure we, a uh, year, year and a half later, we uh, tied a knot and came up here and lived. So Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you kind of touched on this, but what is your background in both education and then in work? So I, <clears throat> I, went, to, I went to school for business to begin with. Mm-hmm. I did a year of business, and in that process, I found that I loved art and language in particular. I've always uh, been a fan of English. Mm-hmm. Been, been learning it since I was five. Sure. And uh, decided to switch majors. Decided to switch to translation and interpretation, which is what I ended up studying for the rest of my tenure in, in school. And I mm-hmm. did a minor in business. Okay. That's what okay. my background academically is. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of career, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I've, done, <laughs> I've done a few things. Um, so I started with translation and interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, did my 
my schooling in Ecuador, came up here for the internship. Like I mentioned, I eventually mm -hmm. did get into Mayo as an interpreter. Mm -hmm. Did that for, I think, three years or so. Okay. Um, men, met some wonderful individuals that still work there today and cool. made a lot, of, a lot of friends, learned a lot. It was a, a year of transition and, and a lot of learning on my end, as you can imagine, having never sure. lived in, in the States before, let alone right. upper Midwest. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a straight transplant, as we call them. So <laughs> I went from the hot beach and the hot, you know, hot sauna yeah, type weather yeah. to <laughs> the beautiful cold weather. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a so transition. So a lot of adjustment during that period of time in my life. Um, and then after that, I, I discovered that uh, I, had a, I had a knack for business. I've always had it. Um, and so I, I got recruited uh, from Mayo Medical Laboratories to be a regional manager for South America. Oh, okay. So wow. I did that gig for three and a half, almost four years um, in total. A lot of travel. I mean, I was yeah. I was traveling internationally three weeks out of every month. Wow. Um, and it's all in South America, and so it was long commutes, you know, long hours mm -hmm. of flights. You rack up those miles, but you know, it wears <laughs> on you after a while. Sure. Um, love getting to see all of my beautiful continent. Uh, if you haven't been, I recommend it. <laughs> it's a phenomenal. I'm not. It's on the list for continent. sure. Um, happy to give you pointers, but. Uh, after after about two and a half years of doing that, I uh, got my daughter. Um, her name is Aitana, and she is now eight, but that changed things. That was a pivotal mm -hmm. moment for me. Sure. Um, you know, there was a few uh, things that happened, even uh, natural, it was a natural disaster, a huge earthquake in Ecuador in, in oh, 16. Oh, sure. Uh, at this point, they had uh, expatted me to Ecuador, so I was living in the territory. Okay. I moved, uh, I moved my, myself, my wife, my pregnant wife at the time. Et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. um, it just was incompatible for my lifestyle with a, with a child. I really mm -hmm. wanted just to be home, and the travel was so intense that, um, you know, I asked the clinic if I could come back. The clinic said no, and I said, okay. So that was, in hindsight, was a very difficult moment. I mean, I went yeah. from from being, uh, you know, regional sales manager for Mayo Clinic Laboratories mm -hmm. to selling insurance door-to-door. Is what I ended up doing. Okay, sure. Um, so that was a huge, a huge yeah. pivotal moment in my life. Um, but in hindsight, it's probably one of the best things that ever did happen to me sure. from a career standpoint, because that is precisely what gave birth to my first company um, and then the ones that came after that. Sure, absolutely. So a loaded question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say initially sparked your love for cooking and what kind of led you to decide to start Taco Lab? <laughs> I've always loved to cook. Um, I, I'll be the one that I, you know, I would hang out with my mom in the kitchen when I was growing up, just mm -hmm. seeing what she would do. Um, she always wanted a daughter, never got one. And in some <laughs> respects, I ended up being that for her because I, I, I was just in the kitchen all the time, yeah. you know, learning from the master. And so I grew up with that love and passion for cooking. I'm always trying new things, even... You know, as a younger kid, I've always tried to just combinations and creations and just let, let creativity flow. I told you I love arts. Mm -hmm. um, and I think cuisine is, into that, in some respects, that for me. It's just a, an outlet for creativity and, mm -hmm. and just relaxing. I really enjoy it. So um, it, it just, it's beautiful that life gave me the opportunity to make that also a business venture. Right. You know, finding the right partner at the right time mm -hmm. was nothing that I... It was pure chance. And, sure. it, and I think some of the best businesses kind of happen in that same respect, happen kind of by chance, a combination of factors yeah. at the right time. Absolutely. In what year did you launch that business? Taco Lab. Mm -hmm, uh, that was, mm -hmm. Taco Lab was formally, um, formally created in January 25th, 2021. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Tell me a little bit about the transition that you're making into having a restaurant as well as the food truck. That's been the plan all along. Okay. I mean, sure. I don't know, you know, for those of us that have done brainstorming in terms of business, it's really easy to get carried away into the big, grander potential of what an idea mm-hmm. is, right? You just mm-hmm. throw it all out there. And from the get-go, we always anticipated this path for, for Taco Lab. Um, and there's, of course, some stuff behind the scenes as well in terms of where we see ourselves. This is just, this is phase two of, you know, five or seven or ten or whatever it is. Sure. Um, but uh, the idea was always to do phase one, which was the food truck operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the idea was to do phase two a year later. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was COVID year for us. Sure. So it really threw a wrench, as it does for all of us in business, it mm-hmm. threw a wrench on everything. But again, it was one of those things that was a, a, a blessing in disguise for us. Because sure. one of the bigger challenges with owning a restaurant is, and you know, for all the restaurateurs out there, is the overhead mm-hmm. that is generated by that brick and mortar operation. And so forcing us to stay mobile, it hindered some of our capabilities on the production side mm-hmm. and the scalability of a business. But at the same time, it really took away all of that burden that would have been potentially problematic during COVID years. Right. Absolutely. So it was, it was, it was good. But yeah, the, the difference is now is, um, you know, we're pivoting from a street food experience, mm-hmm. quote unquote, to a more family oriented, sit down, relax experience. And, mm-hmm. and I think this is where we're super excited because I think this is where we would, what the brand and what we envision for the brand can start to kind of bleed through. Sure. It's really difficult to rep, to really provide identity to a brand beyond your food when mm-hmm. you don't have an environment in which patrons can relax. Right. Absolutely. And so I think this will give us that opportunity. So I'm super stoked about that. Wonderful. What would you say were some of the greatest challenges and barriers you faced while getting started with your business, both as the food truck and now as the restaurant? I would say the biggest challenge is probably the the not knowing what you don't know, if that makes sense, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. There are there are so many things that are that you learn on the fly, typically by making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the majority of my comments here are aimed at the process and like the the regulations and the requirements you need to fulfill mm-hmm, to just mm-hmm. be able to do what you know and love how to do. Right. And that's just Everywhere is that way, I'm sure. But that was the most difficult portion for us. Is none, none of us had been um, as ingrained in this part of the industry. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we struggled a bit to know how to fulfill those requirements uh, you know, ahead of time. Sure. And so we, yep. would, we would find out later, and then that became, you know, it, it, it was a difficult situation to be in. Sure. Um, you know, and, then, and then the other part is just kind of cutting your teeth on on fine tuning your operation, mm-hmm. make sure that your communication lines are where they need to be. There's always one thing I've learned in this industry is there's so much variance and volatility and things always change. And so mm-hmm. being able to manage that change effectively, it's really important. And so, you know, cutting your teeth through that is always a struggle, but, right. um, yeah, ov- overall a phenomenal experience so far. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, tell me a little bit about the cuisine that you guys serve and kind of the range of things you serve. Obviously, there are tacos involved, but if you just want to expound upon that a little bit. Yes. Um, the This all kind of goes back to the to the name, right? We, we thought long and hard about what, what to call ourselves, and um, there were some pros and some cons on the name. I think because, but in one of the bigger cons was having the name Taco in it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we didn't we puts us in a in a square little box, right? Sure. Uh, and it's really hard to kind of break out of that because you get known as a taco stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think that was in hindsight a, a really good move because it is predominantly started as a taco creative taco operation, mm-hmm. right? You think about the you think about some of our Asian inspired tacos, the kung fu tacos that have been a hit. Um, you know the I think that the the branding that came with it also kind of makes it fun and playful for mm-hmm. our audience as well. Some of the names that are out there trying to be creative. Tell you those are the most fun sessions I've had in terms of trying to name our dishes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's slowly evolved into what should hopefully transpire in this new space, mm-hmm. which is a, a a bit of a, a reach outside the taco space to more different uh, types of of cuisine and, and and plates with different fare. So we've towed the water, for instance, with biryamen, which is ramen noodles with a mm-hmm. birria, Mexican mm-hmm. birria. Um, that was well received. You know, we're towing the water with the mariachi, which is our some. Some of our specialty sandwich you came up with, also Mexican-inspired. Sure. Um, so that's how we've done it so far. I think the next in the next phase, you can expect more of that. Mm-hmm. And certainly beyond just Mexican-inspired, sure. bleeding into Latin American and even just world-inspired uh, dishes. Yeah, awesome. What do you find most rewarding about your work? <clears throat> I love... So in the, in the Taco Lab space... I love seeing the the reaction on uh, you know from everybody in terms of what we come up with, whether good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you learn more more from the bad than the good. Um, so that 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 element of personal connection mm-hmm. that the food that we create can have sure. on on an audience is is so rewarding, uh, and it's the same not even with a business operation, even at home cooking for friends, just to know that you you did it good enough, people like what you had made that that. Reward, I think, is probably the drug that keeps me going back to, to mm-hmm. cooking in general, um, and I, that and being able to get in touch with the community here locally in mm-hmm. the Rochester and the greater area. I mean, we've gotten we've gotten requests and all, all you know as far as in Wisconsin and Iowa, and and you just don't know that you're going to have that impact. And so seeing that reach and being able to meet all these business owners that are in a similar situation that we mm-hmm. are. Creating that ecosystem, it's mm-hmm. just phenomenal. Wonderful. Well, do you have any idea of when the new space will be opening and where can people find the food truck in the meantime? Absolutely. So we are hoping to be open uh, uh, the new space by April 1st. Okay, awesome. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe sooner, but I think, uh, I think we're about a month out for all the renovation. We're doing a little facelift on the space and all that. Sure. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be, uh, and probably even beyond that opening date, we, you can find us all the time, 11 to 11, at the old Dobby's location, 1310 Fifth Place, across from Barlow Plaza. Great. Our food trailer sparked there, and the food truck makes the rounds, so you might find us in some of the Rochester City events. Cool. And they can find that information on social media, I'm sure. TacoLab.com. TacoLabMN.com. Great. Or at TacoLabMN. Awesome. Well, what's a piece of advice that you would give to someone starting a business or even specifically a food-based business? Gosh, that, I love that question, Corey. Um, one of the companies that I that I have is actually in that space. Um, it's called Blankets Consulting Group. And um, I'm a big fan of that conversation in particular. Mm-hmm. Is we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this town, people that have the know-how, have the passion to start their own business, but lack the opportunity because they don't know where to start. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think, first of all, a conversation with someone like Collider is a yeah. phenomenal place to start <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think uh, on a more, in a more practical tone or, or note, 
um, not being afraid of using the resources that are available, and there are some available in our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, reaching out to the city and the county, they can be surprisingly helpful mm-hmm. in, in, in answering some of the questions you may have. Again, a lot of the roadblocks you're going to encounter are on, you know, do I need to incorporate an LLC? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I do my segmentation of, of tax for, you know, for tax purposes? Yep. All those questions. Uh, resources like Collider, and there, are, and there are some of those in the community, can be super helpful. Uh, I would say beware of Google information. It's not <laughs> sure. always accurate. Yeah. Um, but then I think that the most critical advice would be to, to just start. Start mm. now and don't let the unknown factors deter you from, from getting started. I think right. the majority of, of businesses, I read a stat out there, and of course, you know, 85% of stats are wrong, but um, I think something like upwards of 75 or 80% of businesses are DOA because they mm. fail to start their failure on lunch. Right. And so I think is is don't get... Don't get afraid to be. Don't be afraid to start, but also don't get discouraged by some mm. of the failure you are going to experience at the beginning. Right. Fail early, fail often, fail fast, so we can iterate. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. This was wonderful. Great. You can learn more about Taco Lab by clicking the link in our show notes. And thank you for tuning into the podcast today. We are so appreciative of your time spent listening and of your support of our work here at Collider. If you know an entrepreneur who would benefit from the conversation today, please share this podcast with them so that they can benefit from the experience of other business owners in the community. We launched Rochester Rising in 2016 to tell stories of entrepreneurship taking place within the city of Rochester, especially stories that otherwise would not have been told and to take the time to understand each entrepreneur and what their experience has been like in this community. If you find value in this podcast, please consider donating and lending support to Collider's efforts to share the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs and inspire others on their journey. You can find more information about our tip jar and how to donate in our show notes. Thanks again for tuning into the Rochester Rising podcast.